Well, let me give you a quick update on kind of where we're headed as far as Sunday nights are concerned. So I gave this a lot of thought. Uh, I mentioned several weeks ago that one of my favorite uh, topics or concepts in the Christian life to teach on and read about and study is what's called spiritual formation. How it is through the course of our lives that we can actively participate in becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, since that is my favorite topic, and here on Sunday nights, we're going to be kind of scattered for the next two months. We really are, because we have uh, homecoming coming up. We're not going to have evening service when we have homecoming. Uh, then with Thanksgiving, we're not going to have evening service. Uh, I don't know how it all breaks down. Uh, we may, uh, th- when the baby comes, we're probably not going to have evening service. Uh, Christmas night, we're not going to have evening service. So we're going to be kind of scattered here the next few weeks. And so I thought, well, instead of diving into my absolute favorite uh, area of study, I'm going to continue to study my tail off. I've already got 10 more books that I want to read and prepare for diving into that series at the beginning of next year. But what I want to do between now and the rest of the year is pick some, some passages that God has placed on my heart and on Sunday nights walk through them to continue to prepare our hearts and our minds for the idea of spiritual formation. And one of those topics here tonight comes from a, a proverb that I, I greatly love and enjoy. There's so much meat on the bone in this proverb. It's uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 27. Uh, several months ago, I came across this proverb when I was in my devotional time, and I have a journaling Bible. Okay, I know when we, when we study the Word, we all kind of study it a little bit differently. What I do is I have an ESV journaling Bible. It's a, it's a regular Bible, but it has really wide margins with lines on them on both sides of the page, and it enables me to just, as God's pouring into me, I pour it out on the page. And I remember circling Proverbs 4 and saying, Lord, I know one day you're going to have me preach this. And this uh, past couple of weeks, as I've been mapping out where we're headed for the rest of the year, I thought this is the perfect time to do it tonight. So uh, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 27. And uh, what I love about this passage, first of all, uh, Proverbs are just amazing words of wisdom. And when you, when you read the Proverbs, there's a couple of things to think about. All right, number one, we want to we have this vision in our mind of this wise older father taking this younger son and placing him on his lap, and explaining to him wisdom that he has learned in the world. That's the image that I want us to have whenever we read Proverbs, because that's basically what it is. I mean, obviously the words come from our Heavenly Father in a spiritual way as we're kind of sitting on his lap, and he's explaining to us the truth of of the world that he has created. But the image that we see from the very beginning of Proverbs 1 is this wise older father speaking to his son. And the second thing we need to understand about Proverbs, and I know I mentioned this the first few weeks I was pastor here. I think maybe it may have been the first Wednesday night that I taught here. We need to understand that the purpose of a proverb is not a promise, okay? The Proverbs do not promise. They are wonderful principles, okay? Proverbs are not promises but principles, which means... You know, I've had people who get frustrated when they talk about the Christian life and they'll point to a proverb and say, well, it says raise up a child in the way that he should go and when he's old he won't depart from it. I raised a child up in church and he's departed. Well, we need to understand that God's word is perfect in every way, but it's perfect in the way that it intends to be. And so when we talk about proverbs, we need to understand that his intention is not to give us promises. The promises that God gives us are all over the Bible. But the Proverbs are are these words of godly wisdom that are the guiding principles of our life. And so when we live according to the Proverbs, we can expect that God will in fact bless us. That's what Proverbs are. 
Okay? So we need to understand the difference between Proverbs and then when you walk into the New Testament in like a letter. Okay, a letter from Paul or Peter or John. Those are direct promises. Okay? When, when uh, John says in uh, 1 John 1, 8 through 9, if we, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise. You can take that to the bank. If you confess your sins, he's going he's gonna to cleanse you. But the proverb is a wonderful guiding principle that if we put ourselves under the wisdom of it, over the course of our lives, we will see God bless us in an amazing way. And so we're going to be looking in Proverbs 4, and as we look at Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 27, the title of our message this evening is Receiving and Responding to God's Word. Receiving and Responding to God's Word. I began really uh, maybe my second year at seminary thinking about how I read the Bible and saying there's got to be something more to this than what I'm experiencing when I read this book. There's got to be something more, something deeper. I, God has just given me a deeper desire to know him. <clears throat> and these are one of the passages that draw me into a, a deeper experience when I'm reading the word of God and in a more faithful response to when I'm reading the word of God. And as I began to study some of the great men and women of our faith who've come before me, a lot of them have talked about engaging all of the senses when we read the Bible. I started hinting at that a couple of weeks ago. If you remember, as we were walking through Mark, I said that uh, St. Ignatius, he wrote a book back in the 15th century called Spiritual Exercises. And what he says is when you're reading a passage of Scripture dive into it the way that you would a novel, not believing that it's fiction because it's true, but reimagining everything that God would have you to think. Engage the story, engage the scriptures with your eyes, with your mind, with your heart, with your ears. This full body experience of reading the word of God, it's not just something like the morning paper, we're just getting information and moving on for the rest of the day. There's something about the Bible that has to be different than the newspaper. It has to be different than a great fiction novel. It has to be different because it's the Word of God. All right? The Word of God, it's living and active. And if that is true, then we should consider approaching that book differently than we approach other books. And we should expect if we obey what God tells us in His Word, it will transform us in a way that no book ever will. This idea of the full body experience of reading scripture, as I began to study it, all of a sudden, I began to see it pop up everywhere in the scriptures. It's amazing when you look for something, you start seeing it everywhere. A couple of months ago, my wife and I bought a new car. All right, we bought a 2011 white GMC Acadia. If you ever want to know how many cars are on the road that are just like yours, buy a car, and then the next two months, you'll see it everywhere. Isn't that true? I never saw a GMC Acadia in my whole life. I didn't, I'd never even heard of it. And then I started doing some research on a midsize SUV that we could pay cash for. And I find this beautiful white uh, car sitting at Metter Ford, and we buy it. And in two weeks, I think half of Camden County drives it. But it's not really that true. It's just I see it in a way I've never seen it before. Well, that's my prayer for us tonight as we dive in here to Proverbs 4. Listen to the wisdom of God's Word and, and listen to how many different parts of the human body and experience God's calling us to engage him with as we read his word. So, if you have your Bible, please turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. Okay, we'll be in verses 20 through 27. If you would stand 
and of the reverence of the reading of God's holy, inerrant, infallible word. Again, we will be in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 27. Hear the word of the Lord starting in verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Verse 27, do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you, and again, we thank you for this day that you have made. What a joy it's been today, Father, to be in your house, reading your word among your people. And as we read your word tonight, Father, I look uh, into the congregation, and I see men and women who are hungry for your word. Feed us tonight, Father. Feed us. Let your spirit roam and have his way. Open up our hearts and minds to receive the truth of your word tonight. And enable us, Father, by the abiding spirit to respond to the truth that we hear in repentance and faith in your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. God's people said, Amen. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about how to fully receive God's word and how to fully respond to God's word. And I'll give you four examples of each one, all from the same proverb. All right, there's so much meat on this bone. So let's take it bite by bite. So, number one, how to fully receive God's word. All right, there's four areas that I want to walk through in just the first two verses alone. But before we do that, what I'm explaining tonight is a process that in ancient church history they called Lexio Divina. All right, Lexio Divina is something that that men and women of the church since the very beginning of the inception of the church entered into this sacred practice. All right? Now, there, there are some who take it too, too far in the other direction, expecting some kind of mystical experience with God. All right? and, and I think we can go too far in the other direction, expecting God to do something supernatural in our lives. Some of the more charismatic denominations take this way over there. But we also don't need to treat this book like cold doctrine because it's more than that living. It's active. It draws us into a relationship with a person. That person is God. And so Lectio Divina is, or Lectio Divina is this process where we read the scriptures, okay? Then we meditate what it is on we've just read, and then we pray those words back to God, and then we spend the rest of our day contemplating what it is that we read, what it is that we meditated on, and what it is that we prayed. We see it with our eyes. All right, we think about it with our mind. We sing it or speak it back to God with our mouths. We store it in our hearts. And then we let it transform our hands and our feet as we go out and do what God has called us to do. This is a full body experience that God has called us to. And that's the power of God's word. So, don't take my word for it. Let's take God's word for it. Look at Proverbs. Again, uh, we're in verse number 20. 
And the first of the four ways that we can fully receive God's word is this. Focus with your mind. Look at the first part of verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. What's the, what's the idea of attentive? It's focus. Everything else is going on around you. The election's taking place. you got the newspaper on the table. The dog's barking. The phone's ringing. All these things are taking place. God's saying, I have a word for you. Get quiet for a minute. Be attentive. Be focused on what it is that I'm saying to you. Be attentive. You know, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, and I'm going to be reading a lot of supporting scriptures. So if you're a note taker, just jot down the verse because your fingers are going to get cramps in them. I got a lot of scripture tonight because we're talking about scripture. So um, Proverbs, or excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 19 says this, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. It's right here. Are we attentive to it? Have we focused with our mind? When you're reading the Word of God, are you able to clear all of the things out and focus on it? One thing I've done recently, if you ever come to the office, I'll show you. In the pastor's office, I have a, this huge arm and desk lamp uh, so that I can turn all the lights off and just put the, the lamp on, the reading lamp, and it's the only light I can see in the whole room. It shuts out. Everything else is like pure darkness, and then you have just the, the Scriptures in full light. I love doing that. I came here Saturday at 5 in the morning. Nobody was here. I beat Coach Tillman here by about three hours. He usually gets the coffee up around 9 or 10. And I just, I, I had the lights turned off. I had the Bible open, that little desk lamp on. There was nothing else I could see. I said, God, no matter what's going to happen this morning, I'm attentive. I'm focused. What do you want to show me in your word today? Okay, so to how, how to fully receive God's word, we have to focus with our mind, but not only that, we also have to listen with our ears. Listen with your ears. Okay, verse 20, the second part of verse 20. It says, incline your ear to my sayings. Incline your ear to my sayings. All right, now there, I'm going to give you a spiritual and little, a literal aspect to the ears. The spiritual aspect is basically following up what he just said about focusing on the mind. He's saying, pay attention, listen, really, really dive into what I'm saying. But let me give you a practical physical application to the actual physical ear. All right, studies have shown and history has proven that there is more benefit to reading the scriptures out loud than it is to read them silently. Now, there's nothing wrong with reading them silently. You're going to be at places in your life. I know for me, I sneak in a, a, some Bible reading here and there, sometimes even on my phone uh, when I'm doing things throughout the day, and I'm not in a place where I can read it out loud. But when you are reading the Bible out loud, you're doing two things. You are, or you're doing three things, really. You're reading with your eyes. You're pro proclaiming truth with your mouth. And you're hearing the Word of God with your ears. I mean, it is really a, a threefold way to drink in the truth of His Word. Again, you're reading with your eyes. You're looking at the words, but as you're speaking them, you're proclaiming truth into the world, even if you're the only one that can hear it. And then you're listening with your ears. The, old, the, old, the words that are coming out of your mouth are going into your ears and down into your heart. This is a full-body experience as we receive the truth of the Word of God. Proclaim it. I've already, I already can't, I've already thought about the times when my child gets here and she can't sleep at night, how many psalms I'm going to read to her because I'm going to bury that word in her heart. I'm just going to overload that, that little tiny heart of hers with God's word. 
And who knows what, how God is going to take those seeds and make them grow. So we focus with our mind, we listen with our ears, but we also see with our eyes. Look at the first part of verse 21. Let them not escape from your sight. Let them not escape from your sight. Think about this. How many things in this visual world want to grab your attention? Right now, especially. At this point, I already know whatever happens in our election, it's not going to be good. I just want it to be over with. It is ugly. And every time I turn around, the world wants me to take notice that it's the most important thing in my universe right now. Well, guess what? It's not. God is. But I could forget that if I'm not attentive and I, and I take my eyes off of what's happening here. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not looking forward to the next four years, whoever's in office. I'm really not. But I'm not going to lose sleep over it either. Because I'm not going to take my eyes off the word that is laid before me and who stands on the throne above me. Amen? Don't let that leave our sight. Reading God's word every day. Letting it be some of the first things that we see throughout the course of the day before the rest of the world tries to gain our attention and tries, it tries to move and change our hearts. We need to see with our eyes. All right, Psalm 119 verse 15 says this, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will fix my eyes on your ways. I will think about what it is that you would have me to do, and I would just keep my focus and my eyes intent on what you're teaching me this very day. In fact, we're going to go through a lot of different little passages in Psalm 119. Man, that's a good, that's a good psalm. So we focus with our mind, we listen with our ears, we see with our eyes, but we also store with our hearts, okay? Store with your heart. Second part of verse 21. Keep them within your heart, all right? Keep them, meaning the words of God, within your heart, all right? We're constantly going back to the Word, we're constantly reading it, but as we read it, we let it store in a safe place, and we take it with us. And we protect it in this safe place. We store the word up in our hearts. And it's amazing when we do that, how God will bring it up to the surface at the most unexpected times. I am shocked, no matter how hard and disciplined I try to be in my preparation for preaching, I've got a detailed six-page outline just about every week. I am shocked at how many times God will bring to my mind a verse that I wasn't even thinking about. And you know why? Because a long time ago, he was storing it right here. How many times in my life have, have someone in my family or maybe someone at this church or at the church I was at in North Carolina come to me with a question and as I began to ponder and answer, a, a verse just came right to my mind. I want to share this verse with you because God just brought this to my mind. Well, he couldn't have brought it to my mind if it was never in my heart. But that's where we're storing it. Okay, the heart is the steering wheel to the soul. It's the real you. And the, and the word wants to get in there. Find a safe place. And as we'll see here uh, at the second part of our passage here, wants to, to change us from the inside out. Okay, Psalm 119.11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's a wonderful and also convicting passage. How many times, oh, how many times the conviction of the Holy Spirit through His Word has stopped me from walking into pure evil. Just a deep conviction. Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't watch that. Turn that off. 
Don't listen to that. Go away. Storing it up in our hearts that we will not sin against God. Now, I will say this. I do believe there are, there are still times in my life, I'm still young enough to say that there is still uh, ignorance in my life. I'm still innocent and young enough to say that there is sometimes pure ignorance. I make mistakes in life that I really didn't know better. But I would say at 36 years old, nine out of every ten times I sin, I know better. I know better. And so I'm not worried about the things I don't know. I'm worried about the things that I do know, but I'm not being obedient to. And that's why we read his word. And that's why we continue to feed our heart with it. Because I don't want to sin against him. I don't. And, and, and God's word is a sword that we'll talk about. It protects me. It helps me to fight against the things that draw me into a sinful place. So how do we fully receive God's word? Again, we focus with your mind, listen with your ears, see with your eyes, store with your heart. And by the way, that's just two verses we just read. That's just two verses. And then it tells us in the next verse that the result of receiving God's word, it brings life and healing, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. I love how he shows the spiritual and he shows the physical. Over and over and over, we see the spiritual aspect of this, but he also uses the physical. He talks about the mind, he talks about the ears, he talks about the eyes, talks about the heart, talks about the flesh. God wants to transform you from the top of your head to the bottom of your toes. And it's his word that does the work. So that's how we fully receive God's word. All right, let's move on to number two, how to fully respond to God's word, okay? Verse 23, we need to protect our hearts, okay? Look at uh, verse 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. This was the passage I read at uh, the last baccalaureate service for the graduates here in 2016 back in May. And I know it was not uh, the type of passage that you typically preach at a graduation service, you have a lot of worldly speakers, maybe that aren't coming from a Christian background, that talk about all these ways that you could achieve worldly success. And, well, I, they're not all wrong. I'm sure there's some great principles that they're teaching. But one of the things that I wanted to, uh, to share when I shared this with the teenagers, and they kind of looked at me funny when I first brought it up, I said, don't trust your heart, guard it. All right? The Bible says that the heart is wicked and deceitful. Who can know it? But the Bible tells us that the heart's also the steering wheel of our soul, and we need to protect it. And we need to make sure that we know what's going in and we know what's coming out. All right, I remember my biblical counseling professor at seminary using this image over and over and over again. When he read this passage, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. He said, imagine that your heart is a continual spring. Now, if there's pollution in the spring, you could take a big bucket and stand at the at the, you know, the downside of the stream and try to skim off the top of the scum that's in the, in the uh, stream, or you could go to the source. You could find out where the pollution has started and close it up and clean it out. And that's what God does to us through the Holy Spirit. That's this lifelong process where we're becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. The fancy theological word for that is sanctification. We're being cleansed. We're being changed to be made more like Jesus and that's done through the Word of God and the Spirit of God. But we play an active role. We need to guard and protect our hearts. All right? <clears throat> one, of my, one of the first passages of Scripture I ever memorized, 
Philippians chapter 4, I'll just read verses 6 through 7. It says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, you guys all know this, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. All right, so in everything by prayer and supplication. That's one of the ways that we protect our heart. We keep it lifted up to the Lord in prayer. And we're also cognizant of what we're letting in. All right, I'm I'm convinced with the exception of live sporting events, I've got no use for television anymore. I really don't. There's very few things that really edify my soul. Now, I love sports, and and I'm telling you, I, I greatly enjoy uh, this whole World Series and the NFL and NCAA and, and uh, enjoy watching those games. But man, when I flip through the channels, there are so many things in this world that want to get my attention and crawl their way into my heart and pollute it. And I'm not going to let them do that. I spent so many, so many years of my life getting polluted by things that have no value at all. Let's protect our hearts. But not only that, verse 24 tells us to purify our mouth. All right, purify your mouth, verse 24, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. This is a toughie for some people. It's been a toughie for me at certain parts of my life. Uh, I guess Donald Trump has coined the phrase locker room talk. Well, there's no room for locker room talk in the kingdom of God. All right. When men try to be men, but they're not trying to be like Jesus, they can get deep into this sin very quickly. I'm reminded also in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 29, Paul says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear it. I, I, just, I just remember becoming a Christian, and I remember hanging out with some friends of mine, and just the vul- vulgar language that would come out of their mouths. And you know how me- guys are around other guys. The, you know, the elbow talk, the jokes that come out. Standing on the back of the, uh, the tailgate behind the truck. You know, the arms hanging over the truck late at night, just picking back and forth. And some of the dirty jokes that come out. And the idea is, well, you know, we live in this, this side of the cross. We're on the side of grace. Let's not nitpick every little thing we say. But that's not what I read in Scripture. What I read in Scripture is, if what you're saying coming out of your mouth, as I just read in Ephesians, is not bringing grace to those who hear it, then don't say it. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't have a sense of humor. I've been greatly blessed by the humor of this church. I love some of the, some of the God-given humor people have, have been given in this church. All right, I'm looking at a bunch of storytellers as I'm speaking here, men who have just blessed me with, with stories. But you know what? That's not really what I'm talking about, okay? The, the Christian life is not a gloomy life where every joke that we tell has got to be something about church. But the bottom line is, you know, one of the rules of thumb is this. If it's a joke that you wouldn't say in the physical presence of Jesus, then don't say it. If, if it's a joke that you could not say if Jesus was standing right in front of you, don't say it. Because God makes no provision in his word. He, he really doesn't. Uh, you know, I, there was another passage I didn't have time to look up. I know Peter said it, and I think, um, I don't know if it was his first or second letter, and it says, avoid all coarse joking. And the way it's written specifically points to men who love to be like men. Again, that so-called locker room talk. Well, there's just no place for that in the Christian life. We have to purify our mouths. All right? Our tongues are hard to control. Book of, the book of James speaks about who can control the tongue. It's a horse that you can't saddle. 
the ship without a rudder. I mean, we just can't control the tongue. It runs wild. But God's called us to purify it with his word. All right, here's another, another tough one. Number three, train your eyes. Train your eyes. Verse 25, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. There's a wonderful sister verse to this in Psalm 119, verse 37. And I used to have this particular passage written on a sticky note uh, put on my monitor at work when I was working at Pineland. And the simple passage is this. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. I love that passage. Because you know what? I'm a sinner. And through the course of my week, my eyes have a tendency to look at worthless things. All right, some of them are just pure sin. Some of them are not sin as so much as they're just a waste of time. I think the Internet has given me an opportunity to waste a lot of time. (laughs) YouTube especially. For someone with attention deficit issues who loves to procrastinate when he's chewing on a deep subject and wants to kind of put things off for a few minutes and just be entertained by something, man, YouTube is a dangerous place for me to be. Now, I've been grown and learned a lot by videos I've watched on YouTube. I watch a lot of sermons and men's conferences and all kinds of wonderful things. But there's also a lot of videos I've watched that have just been silly. They haven't been edifying at all. They've just been worthless. And there's a lot of times throughout the course of the day that, and I just confess it in my own life, there are times that my eyes wander and maybe they're looking at other people's lives or other things they just shouldn't be looking at. We need to to set our eyes, train our eyes on the things that God would have us to train them towards. I thought about this recently. The Bible has a lot to say in Proverbs about the adulterous woman. A lot. I mean, there's whole chunks of Scripture that talk about that. Now, I could stand here right now and tell you this. I could stand here and tell you that I just cannot conceive of ever cheating on my wife. I really, in my heart and mind, I, I can't even imagine it. But can I tell you something? I'm a sinner. I am a sinner. All right? I have a, I have a nature that has fallen. All right? Who am I to ever stand up and say, I'll never do anything? All right? As Spurgeon always used to say, but for the grace of God, so go I. And, and if you ever talk to someone who has been in an adulterous affair but then repented of it, I think all of them would admit to you they never set out to do that. But over the course of time, it just happened. They didn't set out to say, man, I really want to screw my marriage up tonight, so let me just go ahead and, and do something really unfaithful. But what happens? They take one second look at something they shouldn't look at, And then eyes turn to thoughts, and then thoughts become parts of their heart, and then their heart becomes a part of their action, and then they make provision for themselves to do things they typically would not have done. And then one day they turn around, and they're knee-deep in something they can't get out of. That's why I know some people kind of looked at me funny when I stood up here and said, apart from the secretary, I do not want to be alone in the church with any other woman. It's It's not that I don't trust the woman, it's I don't trust myself. And I don't care how old she is. I mean, if there's a 90-year-old woman in our church and there's nobody else in the church, I'm going to talk with her out in the parking lot until someone else can come. I I don't want to give the devil a chance. I'm still a sinner. I want to keep my eyes focused. Keep my eyes on the things that God 
wants me to keep my eyes on. And can I tell you something else? Because we have a lot of married couples who've been probably doing a great job of this. Do you know one of the best things that your eyes can do? Study your spouse. Study them. Love them. Look at them in a way that you've never looked at them before. Think about qualities of them that you, you'd never stop to think about. You know, I, sometimes when Ashley's in the kitchen, uh, that, that's an awful way to start a sentence. Uh, that's not where I'm going with it. But uh, I'm not saying that's where she belongs. She, she just happens to be in the kitchen when I'm thinking these things. Uh, <laughs> man, I'm going to get myself, I've got to watch my mouth here, purify my mouth. Um, there are times that I just get overwhelmed with watching some of the gifts that God has bestowed upon her, and one of them is the way that she manages our household. It's a beautiful thing to watch. It really is. It's just a gift. She just, she just has an innate ability to know the way things need to get done and the system that she wants to put in place to do them. And I just think it's a, it's, I think it's a godly thing that she wants to have a clean, safe home to raise our children in and a nice home for me to come home to after work. And there are days that I just want to stop and gaze at my wife and say, thank you, God, for the gifts that you've given her. Thank you, God, uh, you know, for the desires that she has to, has to do this. Study and memorize your spouse. Cast your eyes on them. Look at them until you see something in them that you haven't seen before and enjoy it and cherish it. I believe that there are so many wonderful things in a, in a marriage relationship that we can spend the rest of our lives Casting our eyes on those things. Casting our eyes on the things that honor God, that bring life. And this brings us to the fourth and final way in which we can fully respond to God's word, and that's to prepare our feet. Verses 26 through 27. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the left or to, or to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. How do we do that? Well, Psalm 119, 105. I know many people have heard and love this verse. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We have all the light and all the guidance that we need from this book to tell us where our feet should go and where our feet should not go. There are certain places physically that your feet just should not go. I got into an argument with Ashley about this when we were dating, and she probably would still argue with me about this today, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. We were dating for a couple of weeks. She got invited to a Christmas party, and somebody asked her to make a rum cake. And she said to me, I don't have time. Can you go down to raise liquor and just buy some rum for the rum cake? I looked at her. I said, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. And she said, Bo, it's for cake. They're not even going to taste it. I don't care. My feet do not need to go to a place where my testimony is going to be compromised. Uh, I was listening to the great Ravi Zacharias on the radio. Love Ravi. Love when that classical music comes in and uh, the announcer comes in with another episode of Let My People Think with Ravi Zacharias. And Ravi comes in and tells these stories. Well, he was telling the story recently about uh, a time when he was in New York City and his wife left her purse in the cab. And they got back to the hotel and they realized that they didn't have her purse and her phone was in that purse. And so... Um, he texted the phone to said, if you can read this, you have my wife's phone, please call me. And he said that the person actually called him. Have you heard the story? Called him and said, I have your phone. Please come and pick up the purse. And he said, okay, where are you at? 
and she told him the address. And, well, the address was a bar where prostitutes would wait for people to pick them up. And he, he said he went into, into the bar with a tuxedo on because he had just got done speaking at an event. And he walked in asking for the woman's name, and they said there's about ten women by that name. He goes, I know which one I'm looking for. And he said the bar owner kind of looked at him crazy, and he thought, if somebody catches me in this bar, I'm never going to truly be able to explain why I'm actually here. He said, it probably would have been better to have somebody else go pick up that pocketbook. All right, there are some places that our feet just don't need to go. There are some places that our feet, they, they just don't need to go. We just don't even need to go there. We, I don't know what that is for you, but maybe you do. Maybe you know places that you just don't even need to think about. All right, for various reasons, they will take you away from the path of God. Maybe they're not bad in and of themselves, all right, but maybe they're things that are going to take you away from God's will for your life in this day, this week, this month, or even this year. So, that draws us to a close in just seven verses. Just seven verses in Proverbs. We see four ways to receive God's word, four ways to respond to God's word. To receive it, we focus with our mind, we listen with our ears, we see with our eyes, we store with our hearts, and then we respond by protecting our hearts, purifying our mouths, training our eyes, and preparing our feet for what God has called us to do. So our conclusion is this. We are called to fully receive and respond to God's word by using our mind, ears, eyes, heart, mouth, and feet. So, is your life fully open today to let his word go to work? Are you fully ready today to let his word go to work? Are you prepared to sit down at some point in the week ahead to clear everything else out, even if it's for 20 minutes? No TV, no radio, no internet, nobody else in the room. I would even say get into a place where, for me, because I have attention issues, turn off all the lights and just turn on the desk lamp, all right, and just read his word and say, God, I'm going to commit to you every single instrument of my body. I'm going to speak it out loud with my mouth. I'm going I'm to witness it with my eyes. I'm going to listen to it with my ears. I'm going to store it in my heart. I'm going to use that to protect my heart. I'm going to use that to purify my mouth. And I'm going to use that to, to watch the, my feet as I pre- prepare for the day ahead, for to go where it is that you want me to go, to stay away from the things that you want me to stay away from. I believe, just like the opening illustration that I talked about, when we are attentive, as it says in the very beginning of that proverb, just like when we buy a car, and all of a sudden we notice every other car on the road that is exactly the one that we just bought, when we're that attentive to the words that we just read, I believe we're going to see God working in ways that we never saw before. I really believe that. We just, we're, we're just not attentive. People say, why does God make it so hard to know him? And I've struggled with that. I still struggle with that. I want to see God work and move, and I want to experience this relationship with him in a much deeper way than I currently do. But I believe God is working in amazing ways, but we don't see it because we're not attentive to it. Because we haven't spent time in his word. We're not letting the spirit move in our lives. We're not being attentive with the things that God has given us from our eyes to our ears to our heart to our mouths to our hands to our feet. If we're obedient to those things 
and we receive and respond to his word in that way. Just like that Acadia on the road, I think even in this week ahead, you're going to see God work in ways that maybe he's always been working, but you never before noticed. It's my prayer for my own life. It's my prayer for everybody in the room here tonight.